This is an ABC podcast. ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off The Field. The sporting spirit of the Pacific. Come to Maori and welcome to Fresh Off The Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific. My name is Bobby McCumber, former resident of Vaivase and Moata'a in Samoa. Talofa lava to everyone listening throughout the Pacific. Now, each week I'll be joined by two co-hosts from across the Pacific region, some who have represented their country in sport and are now working as sports commentators. Uh, like my first co-host who represented Fiji in football and then went on to become the first Fijian referee to officiate a FIFA Women's World Cup. For now, Bully Bully, Bulla. Bulla Bobby, how are you? (laughs) I'm very well. It's good to have you here. And fresh off the back of a massive win for Vanuatu this week, I have former knee Vanuatu cricketer turned cricket commentator, Melissa Fare. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Bobby. How are you? I'm very well and excited to have you both here with me. Now, for now, the Rugby World Cup kicked off last week and Fiji only just lost to Wales 32-26. It could have gone either way. Absolutely. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they came into the tournament with a, f- uh, a, a good build-up with England. They won that. So the confidence level was high. Unfortunately, I feel like they didn't take the chances they could with, you know, a few of the penalties and uh, it just didn't finish their way. But definitely the next matchup, they will definitely be reviewing, you know, what they need to work on. It is a long month, so we've got plenty more to go and we'll talk a bit more about the World Cup coming up later in the show. Now, Melissa, you've recently returned from Vanuatu where you were commentating the International Cricket Council's East Asia Pacific Women's Cricket Trophy. That's a mouthful, but we got it out there. What was it like for Vanuatu to win this tournament? Oh, it was incredible. Uh, The atmosphere in Vanuatu has probably got the biggest crowds come down to support the women's team ever. Um, Yeah, it's just been incredible and I... I'm just so happy for the women's team that they won and I'm so happy that I was there to sort of be part of all of it, even though I wasn't playing. (laughs) Wasn't playing but still involved as a cricket commentator, which I love to see. And once again, we'll talk more about that tournament uh, later in the show. Uh, For now, Anne Melissa will cover sports in both Fiji and Vanuatu. Uh, We'll hear what's happening in basketball in Fiji and it is finals time in the NRL. Plus, of course, the Rugby World Cup is underway. We'll hear how the Vanuatu women's cricket team celebrated their first ever win at an ICC Women's Pathway event and where they're headed to now and once again we'll finish off with a fun game so that you at home can get to know my co-hosts and I just a little bit more. But first, the Oceania Weightlifting Championships are happening in Apia, Samoa. That's happening next month from the 5th to the 7th of October. Now, Samoa is, of course, home to the Opelonghe family who are sporting royalty in Samoa. Get this, 10 out of 12 Opelonghe siblings went on to represent Samoa in international weightlifting competitions. So very talented. I wonder what the other two are doing. But anyway, that, that's okay. Um, I met Ali Opelonghe a few times when I was working in Samoa and she's an absolute gentle giant, softly spoken and quite shy at the time. Uh, but that was over 10 years ago now. She might be a little bit different, but still such a beautiful uh, human being. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they compete on home soil next month. No doubt they'll have the home crowd behind them. Uh, but my next guest has been very busy managing the Fijian weightlifting team, training and competing across the globe. Trials for the Pacific Games rounded out recently in Fiji, and I asked Coach Henry Elder if there were any standout performances. Yes, there were. Um, in fact, there were, there were quite a number of performances that, that really stood out. We're very excited about uh, our athletes, especially the young ones. 
Uh, we've got a lot of youth athletes in our team. In fact, the majority of our team are made up of youth athletes. And they really stood out, yes. We're very excited. So when you say youth athletes, what, what age range are we talking? Um, they're 15 to 17. Mm. Uh, we have a couple of juniors. Well, it's under 20. So under 20s being uh, 15 to 20. Um, and those are the ones that make up, say, about 80% of the team. Right. Uh, so will, yeah. will there be juniors that are competing in the Open Pacific Games? Yes, yes. And, and some youth also. Oh, wonderful. It looks like there were some records that were broken last week as well. Can you tell us about some of the weightlifters that broke those yeah, records? I, 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 yeah, I can tell you some some names. I, I'd rather not tell you the numbers. Oh, no. <laughs> you, no, no, no. Keep uh, it secret. That's fine. Cards up. Cards up. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so we had uh, a young girl in the 71-kilogram uh, uh, category. Her name is Miriama Taletawa. She's a high school student. She's 17 years old. She broke the national record in that category. Mm. There's also Nemaya Elda, who's uh, actually my son, the youngest one. Yeah. Um, he uh, broke the youth record, unofficial record in the youth, Oceania youth. So he's a 14-year-old and he did quite well. He was very young. He did very well. Mm. Our senior gold medalist at the recent Commonwealth Championships in India, Tanya Laranyambongi, he broke uh, the national record in the, in the 102 category. So he did very, very well. Very well. There were some other athletes who, who did personal best. So, yeah, pretty stoked and uh, excited about what, what's happened over the last week. Now, can you tell me about BoxFit Fiji and what was their involvement in the trials? Yes. Well, we, we've got one of our uh, uh, club coaches who is uh, also an assistant coach and slash manager. We, we multitask here in Fiji, obviously, because we have, uh, don't have the numbers. But, yeah, anyway, so he... He has his own uh, group, small group of uh, CrossFit athletes who come for, for weightlifting training. So over the last three competitions, one of his athletes, the people that he's been training you know, with a technique, weightlifting technique, actually decided to try it out. So three competitions ago, two competitions ago, he came along with a buddy. Now this last competition, there was five of them. So the, I guess the, the word's gotten out and uh, the interest has started to grow. So we might see a lot more faces. Um, there was a there's a, a number of people who also came to support them. So we had like close to ten other people who were around. So we we were very happy with that. Numbers are sounding good uh, for the weightlifting yeah. community there in Fiji. Uh, you mentioned exactly. you mentioned the Commonwealth uh, Weightlifting Championships, which were held in India in July, so not too long ago. That's correct. Uh, who stood out for you there? I see there were some gold medals. Yes, we we uh, we were fortunate uh, that we managed to to. Well, thanks to the Australian government, Australia stepped in in the last minute and uh, footed the bill for us, which enabled us to go out there. And, you know, we're very, very thankful to Australia, uh, big brother, to re- you know, for, for reaching out to us. So that, managed, that, that allowed us to take um, a team of seven. Of the seven, four of them came back with medals. Oh, so wow. we had two gold, one silver and two bronze. Yeah, so we're yeah, very happy with that. One of the biggest, biggest uh, achievements that we've had in recent times. Yeah. Pacific Games obviously coming up in November. We're uh, not yeah. too far away. What yeah. other competitions do you have in between now and the Pacific Games? So coming up on um, Monday, this coming Monday, we fly out to Riyadh in Saudi Arabia for our senior weightlifter, Tanya Laranyaboni, who, who was the gold medalist in uh, the Commonwealth Championships. 
he goes for Olympic qualification uh, Paris 2024 at the Worlds in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. So that's that's the next one. Um, after that, we have the Oceania under 23, under 20, and under 17 in Samoa. That's in the first week of October. Then obviously we have the Pacific Games. But then for Taniela, our senior lifter, he also goes to uh, Qatar for the uh, Grand Prix, IWF Grand Prix, that is in December. Wow. Sounds like there's a lot yeah. of competitions that are happening between now and the Pacific Games. With the athletes, yeah. the weightlifters, yeah. are they yeah. just getting time off school or work? It sounds like quite the commitment. Yeah, it is. It is actually. Um, and we, we, we've obviously got parents and, and, uh, and the school you know, and us trying to manage the time, uh, all the logistics that go with it. You know, it's not easy. Um, and occasionally, we have double sessions, and obviously, they have a lot of assignments and tasks uh, to complete. So, so yeah, a lot of juggling of time, and you know, you know, phone calls from parents and school. So, you know, it, it's it's quite tough, but we, we're managing. And uh, um, uh, but we've got we've got standard rules with our athletes. If their marks drop, uh, school grades drop, then obviously we are we won't allow them to come. To train, so it's it's on them to, to ensure that they they uh, maintain their their grades at school in order for them to come and lift. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, and you are the head coach of Fijian weightlifting. How big is your team, and, and what does your team consist of with the coaches? Wow, it's it's like a small village here. Uh, <laughs> we don't have numbers. We don't. We, we unfortunately we don't have the numbers, uh, the logistics, the finance, the support. The infrastructure that uh, rugby, netball, and and league and cricket enjoy. Um, so, so for us, um, our total numbers would be around forty. That's the whole of the weightlifting community in our country. Uh, we're almost touching a million. You know, it's a small country as it is. Our total population is nine hundred plus, and of that, the weightlifters in this country are around forty. Yeah, right. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. So- yeah, it's, it's tough, but you know we work, we we make do with what we have and with well, the limited resources and finance and, and everything else we try our best. Oh, and doing an incredible job at it as well. Uh, how often Thank are you. your weightlifters training per week? So it really depends. Uh, we have the younger ones, uh, the novice lifters. We give them at least two sessions with weightlifting, and another couple of sessions they do doing auxiliaries, uh, doing general strength, and some other conditioning work. Uh, so they do mainly two sessions with us, with the uh, youth lifters who've been in for a while. So obviously we assess them over a period of time. And if they've, they've uh, hit a certain criteria, then we bump them up to four sessions of weightlifting. Um, the senior lifters, uh, at any given time, they might be doing three sessions a day, uh, four days a week. Wow. So, yeah, they, they, they were put in a lot of hours uh, and, and a couple of them are, have, have taken time off work and, and uh, they've, you know, uh, some of them have uh, taken a gap year of studies to, to, to focus on training. So, yeah, it, it depends on the individual, but we train six days a week from Monday to Saturdays. And like I said, some train two times a week. Some of them train 10, 15 times a week. So it really depends on that individual and the number of years, uh, training age, we, we, we consider all these things, factors there, the training age um, and, and uh, the biological, biological age and all these other factors. So, so obviously uh, those things come into play when we decide how, how many times they train. Well, it sounds like you're doing an incredible job uh, with your little village of weightlifters there and really, you know, making... <laughs> 
Fiji stand out on the map globally uh, when it comes to weightlifting. So congratulations, Henry, on all the work that you're doing with Team Fiji and hopefully uh, we'll Cheers. see you at the Pacific Games uh, on the podium Cheers. getting some of those medals. Well, you know, that's ultimately that's the goal. But, you know, there's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of stiff competition in the Pacific. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's up to us to do the hard work and, and ensure that everyone stays healthy. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Henry Vinaka. Vinaka, thank you very much. That was Henry Elder, coach of Weightlifting Fiji. Fresh off the field. The Sporting Pulse of the Pacific. ABC Radio Australia. Each week, my co-host and I will do some serious reporting on sports across the Pacific. But before we get into that, we'd like to have a little bit of fun. Coconut Wireless. The Coconut Wireless is where we discuss sports gossip in your country. It's not fact. I don't know if it's true. Who knows? We've all just heard it. These are rumours happening in sports in your country for now. What have you heard on the Coconut Wireless in Fiji? Well, the Coconut Wireless, uh, with the Rugby World Cup upon us, I, th- I heard that the FRU, they will be writing to the World Rugby to seek clarification, you know, on referee decision, not only in this World Cup, but hopefully pave the way forward uh, in sports and in rugby. And, you know, decision-making that has been inconsistent uh, throughout the years, especially to second-tier nations. So that's something that we heard that they're, they're trying to address. And uh, yes, also on rugby, we can hear Julian Savea, who's the brother of Eddie Savea, who's, you know, one of the greats in, in rugby. Uh, he wants to give back to the Pacific rugby and he's signed up for the Moana Pacific. But what we're hearing is he, he wants to don that blue jumper next year in Texas rugby. Oh, that'd be exciting. I have to ask you for now, as an officiator, as a referee yourself, how do you feel when you are challenged by the sporting community or an organisation as to your decisions what pressure does that put on you? Uh, international referees, they are trained. And especially at the World Cup, you may, you have to be at your best because teams also prepare for this. There's a lot of, you know, finance involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, players put themselves on the line. Teams, So everyone needs to be on peak. Uh, that being said, there are also committees that are in charge in terms of the appointments. And also, if the performance is not up to par, then there are decisions that are made in terms of future appointments of referees. So this is something you be at the back of your head. And as a referee, as you go, you know, it's part of your plan to to progress in the tournament as well. But of course, you are just as good as your last game. So it's important that you give your 100% and, and know that, you know, everyone is committed and everyone needs to get a fair game out of it. And you are part of that uh, that formula. Definitely. And I guess everyone has to be accountable, players, coaches. So, you know, why not the referees as well? Uh, Melissa in Vanuatu, have you heard any rumours? You've been there recently on the ground. Surely you've heard some rumours. I want to hear them. Oh, absolutely. I have so many rumours, especially after the three massive weeks in Vanuatu for sport. Uh, We had the Vanuatu National School Games and then the cricket tournament and beach volleyball was also happening. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest rumours that are there, and it's probably more just people trying to fuel the uh, Ministry of Youth and Sports to be more active in athletes' life, but apparently uh, we might be seeing some of our basketballers, uh, young basketballers, playing in Australia probably next year and watch out, Big Bash. We might be sending some of our uh, girls here to play as well. Um, That's uh, that's apparently the goss in uh, in Vanuatu, but 
Yeah, who knows? Oh, that's wonderful. So some of the uh, basketball players in secondary schools competition doing well, so they might be scouted to play basketball in competitions here in Australia, which will be great for their development and just such a good opportunity to be able to, you know, live in Australia uh, on a sporting, I guess, scholarship. Yeah, um, not sure how that's going to happen. As It hasn't actually been done before. Just rumours um, at the moment. Yeah, it's. but look... We love to think big um, in Vanuatu. And I think it's been so great after COVID, especially to see sports coming back um, and playing, uh, having such a prominent uh, role in the lives of youth. Uh, and it's making such a difference that people are actually talking about it now. It's probably just people talking and, you know, saying maybe this is what we need to be doing to improve sports in our country because mm-hmm. our athletes have taken Vanuatu and put it on such a global scale that maybe we should, it's about time we start doing that. So, yeah. Definitely. And I love what you said there. So the Big Bash. So the Big Bash competition is a T20 cricket competition that is huge here in Australia. There's the men's competition and then there's the women's Big Bash as well. Uh, and there are players from all across the world that come here mm. to play professional cricketers, which is great. And Vanuatu just winning recently the T20 ICC EAP Cricket Trophy. There are a couple of those players that are already playing uh, for teams here in Australia. So... This is where, you know, coaches are looking at these competitions to get these players that are coming through the ranks. And you know, in Vanuatu, we had the likes of Melanie Jones, who's obviously a commentator, but also a coach. Uh, Maya Lewis, who was a former captain of New Zealand. Uh, she's also a coach. She coaches uh, in New Zealand as well in their state competition. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good platform for the girls to perform. They did. And hopefully we see some of them coming through uh, into the Women's Big Bash. That'll be amazing. That's wonderful. Well, thank you very much for now. And Melissa, a lot happening on the Coconut Wireless. That was. Coconut Wireless. All right, it's time for the serious stuff. Uh, for now, what is happening in sport in Fiji? We have a uh, few uh, things that's uh, quite making this uh, sports scene quite busy now that we're coming to uh, to the end of the year. But uh, here in Fiji, we have a series that's coming up uh, by the end of the week, which is a seventh mini tournament uh, that has Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, uh, France and USA that's participating. And uh, that's going to be end of the week. It's kicking off end of the week. And uh, this tournament came out as outcome of the plans made after Toulon 7s in France. And it will be used as a platform to select players for the upcoming Pacific Games and World 7 Series. So we've we've had those international teams here in the country and they're, they're picking up for that uh, tournament. And, uh, you know, it'll be good because it's an off-season. There's nothing happening at the moment. So it's something that these teams have come together to work on and ensure that the teams, are, you know, are match fit. And uh, yes, uh, also last Friday, the nominations uh, by the National Sports Federation were due to FESNOC, uh, which is the National Olympic Committee. So this week, uh, the FESNOC teams will be sitting down uh, to finalize those, uh, those sports teams and the nominations. And I think in the near future, uh, pretty near future, we'll get to know who will be representing Fiji to the Pacific Games. There's so much going on in the Pacific, not only leading into the Pacific Games, obviously, uh, but just so many different tournaments uh, happening as well. Uh, who did you have a chance to catch up with this week for now? I sat down with Laisia Sapumau, the Chief Operating Officer for Basketball Fiji, where they're looking at their preparation uh, towards the Pacific Games. And uh, yeah, he was excited about that. Uh, with the Pacific Games less than three months away, I asked him how the preparation was for Basketball Fiji. For the teams we've had, uh, it's been positive. Obviously, there's, other, there's always areas to improve on. 
But I think some of the positives that uh, we have moving towards the Pacific Games is uh, the support of our National Olympic Committee, um, the support of the uh, Fiji government through uh, preparation grants, and also the support of other federations, uh, who are much bigger federations like, for example, rugby, who are providing us with the uh, support in our strength and conditioning uh, aspect of preparations. Thank you. Uh, last day in Oceania, region in basketball especially, we had three uh, competitions, namely the Melanesian Cup, Polynesian Cup, and the Micronesian Cup. Uh, what we saw in that was uh, traditional um, uh, giants going down to smaller teams. You know, those surprises. Something Is that something that is expected in these Pacific Games? Uh, yes, absolutely. With uh, I think FIBA, our international body, has done uh, uh, a marvelous job in, in regards to introducing... Um, or using uh, Pacific Games as a as a qualifying platform as part of their competition pathway uh, to for teams aspiring to uh, qualify for the World Cup. Now, Fiji for both our men's and women's. The team has traditionally in the last three Pacific Games have finished in the top three. Have consistently finished in the top three uh, with our women's winning gold in 2015 and uh, silver in the last Pacific Games. And uh, also we're very excited with the introduction of the 3x3 three three, uh, discipline or competition into the Pacific Games, which was first introduced by our international body in 2019. And uh, again, the women's won gold in the, in the new code and our men's uh, finished uh, with a silver medal. We are looking to uh, improve on our results from the last, last games. Now, we've noticed uh, teams like Tonga, Samoa, they're looking to eligible players uh, outside their normal boundary to uh, ensure they, you know, come off with a podium finish. Is that a strategy that is being employed by Basketball Fiji as well? Um, it's not our main strategy. However, it is part of our strategy to select or to consider players that uh, are, have strong links to Fiji, who are citizens of Fiji and uh, who would like to meet the criteria to represent their, their motherland uh, in the games. Some of our players who learned how to play basketball here have gone on to play at uh, higher competitions or have found success overseas. And um, we look forward to them uh, joining us, uh, like our national women's captain, Michaela Wippy, who's now a resident in America, and her sister, Latava Wippy, who's playing uh, professional basketball in New Zealand. You mentioned in the previous Pacific game, the men and women, they won bronze and silver, respectively. They've taken it a notch up in the Melanesian Cup last year. Can they go all the way in these Pacific games? Uh, I believe that's the goal for the Federation. Uh, that's the goal for the team management who will be traveling to the Pacific games. The women's uh, have an edge uh, as they want to reclaim uh, the Pacific games crown and then qualify to the Asia Cup in the following year. And they have the experience and the depth to compete um, uh, or to achieve that goals. Uh, for the men's, um, Guam is, is a traditional giant. Again, they've won back-to-back Pacific Games. Uh, they've done really, really well in the Asia Cup qualifiers uh, where they won the Asia Cup tournament. And, uh, they will be, and they've advanced into the A division and will be playing off for a spot in the next World Cup. Uh, Guam is always will, is uh, the team to beat at the Pacific Games. Now, Fiji's always been a threat. Um, 
and our goal is to finish on top at the uh, Pacific Games podium. Again, this, uh, with with the streamlining of competitions, with the sub-regional uh, competitions, the competition has become stronger. Where FIBA is now using it as a qualifying platform, the top eight uh, countries around the Pacific, uh, minus Australia and New Zealand, uh, will be competing at uh, Tahiti, Tonga, uh, and New Caledonia, who are in our pools, have uh, also traditional threats. And um, we we welcome the competition. We uh, we look forward to it. And again, um, we look forward to competing for that top spot on the podium. Well, thank you, Lai. And uh, all the best to Basketball Fiji in their preparation and in the competition itself. There we have it, Guam, the team to beat in basketball for the Pacific Games. with Fiji doing the groundwork, so we'll see what happens this Pacific Games uh, coming up very soon in November in the Solomons. Uh, now, Melissa, as we've mentioned, you have just returned from Vanuatu working at the cricket, but what else is happening in Vanuatu with cricket? Of course, we're going to talk cricket as well. Sports in Vanuatu has been um, quite exciting last week and the week before were very, very exciting. Um, I think before I talk about cricket and forget other sports, um, Beach Volleyball had um, their Continental Cup Oceania uh, zone qualifiers as well. Um, And from the 1st to the 3rd of September, so over the weekend, where cricket was also happening at the same time. Um, But in that tournament, New Zealand finished with gold for both men and women. Um, Vanuatu finished second, uh, both men and women. And then uh, Australia won bronze, uh, finished third in women's beach volleyball and then Solomon Islands uh, finished third in the men's um, category. But yeah, it is great to see that um, there are more sports tournaments being hosted in Vanuatu and that our teams are doing really, really well because Vanuatu just needed to finish in top two in that tournament to be able to advance to the next um, qualifier, which is sort of like the Olympic qualifier for for the beach volleyballers uh, in Vanuatu. But apart from that, cricket has been the highlight of everything happening in Vanuatu. And I have never seen so many people that interested in cricket in Vanuatu until last week. The Vanuatu women's team won the ICC Women's T20 uh, World Cup East Asia Pacific qualifier, probably very unexpected by a lot of people, uh, which makes it even better. It was not just uh, a win. It was a very historical moment for the team. They beat Papua New Guinea in the first game, first time ever to ever beat Papua New Guinea. And I think that set the tone for the whole tournament. And we just saw crowds coming down and back page of Daily Post newspaper for the whole week. It was just women's sport (sighs) the whole way through. It was amazing. Um, And Vanuatu also picked up the player of the tournament, bowler of the tournament, batter of the tournament from from that tournament as well. So it's basically a clean sweep uh, for Vanuatu during that tournament, which is incredible. And I am very, very excited talking about that, being a former player uh, for the team. But yeah, that, that was news in, in Vanuatu over the last week, two weeks um, that I've been I've been there. Oh, you know, I, I mean, you love to see it, just all the women's sport uh, on the front pages or the back pages, which is, you know, front of sport. Um, and it does make a difference, doesn't it, when your team is winning, getting all the people to, to come out and support uh, the Vanuatu women's cricket team. So how was it for you? I know you're a former player having to, you know, watch the game and see them win. <laughs> were you a little bit envious wishing you were out there on the pitch? Um. Yeah, like I would have loved to to be playing at that moment, but also just to be sitting there and calling the game, uh, talking about the game, and also I had the opportunity to talk about what this win means for oh. for the team. So, and that for me was 
it was incredible. Um, I think, yeah, I was I was not sitting down in my chair. I had to be impartial commentating, uh, but I didn't. It was it was extremely difficult um, just sitting there. I think like towards the end of it, I'm like, I can't talk anymore. I'm going to go and cry <laughs> for a minute. Oh, well, that's the thing as well. This was your first time commentating, and this could also be one of the most memorable commentating moments that you've had. Vanuatu winning for the first time, so wonderful to get your perspective as a former player, to come and do that. Uh, I, I don't know how you control your emotions because you have to when you're commentating, mm. don't you? you? I mean, you can be impartial, but of course you're going to be going for Vanuatu. But how did you control your emotions through that? You didn't. Uh, I, I, I did, but also I, I didn't. I don't know how I did it. Like I, a lot of it just went by really, really quickly. I'm like, I cannot believe I just did that. Um, but I, I was commentating the Papua New Guinea Vanuatu game. So that was, that for me was probably the highlight. And I was there for, for the finals as well. I think the poor chairs that I was sitting on, if I had long fingernails, I'd probably break the chairs apart. But you know, um, yeah, I, I, it was it was such a, a good good tournament that I think you know a little bit of emotion will not hurt, um, especially seeing how important um, that is not just for cricket in Vanuatu but in the region. Mm. Just Papua New Guinea dominating for so long, they have such a great team, and then to have a new team uh, now going to represent the East Asia Pacific in the next uh, global qualifier is amazing. Yeah, oh, wonderful. Um, and who did you have a chance to to chat with whilst you were in Vanuatu? I had the chance to speak with Selena Solman, the captain of the Vanuatu women's team. I asked Selena if it had finally sunk in for her that she had just won the East Asia Pacific qualifier. To be honest, I think it took me like few days to for me to finally finally realize that we actually won. I had to uh, basically go to Facebook to see the posts to remind myself. Um, that we won. Um, I think it's in when I went home and I was alone. I just realized that we won. Uh, I started crying, but yeah, it was it was a good win. I think for us winning the Papua New Guinea in the first um, game gave us a lot of confidence. Um, the girls a lot of confidence and made us realize that yeah, we are good enough and we can if we work harder, we can go all the way and win the whole tournament. Great. Uh, you started the tournament as you mentioned with a historical win against Papua New Guinea. Um, what was the feeling like in Vanuatu, in the team, just in general in, in Port Vila after that win? I think for us it was uh, really big. Everyone was very happy and um, very proud. Even we got a lot of um, good feedback from the crowd, which we never had before, especially winning Papua New Guinea. And they were always the top um, in our region. Uh, and for us, winning them in our first game, um, I think that brought a lot of statement to that we really did work hard. And I think that also gained us a lot of supporters and a lot of people had believed in us and come out to watch the game. Selena, in the in the tournament, Vanuatu coming off winning winning the entire tournament, but also uh the player of the player of the tournament, the bowler of the tournament, the batter of the tournament are all from the uh, Vanuatu team. Now, Rachel Andrew won the player of the tournament and the uh, batter of the tournament and then you have young Vanessa Vera who won the um, the bowler of the tournament. As the captain of the team, what can you say about the contributions uh, to the team, especially uh, 16-year-old Vanessa who just joined the team? Um, honestly, I cried a little bit when they called them because I know uh, when it comes to Rachel, she's a very, very talented and 
good player and I'm happy she played the way she did home. And for Vanessa, uh, she's a superstar coming to the team for the first time, the only new player in the team. Um, and the youngest in the team and playing the way she did with the nurse, um, playing the home crowd, I'm, I'm, ex I'm beyond uh, amazed and I'm very happy. And as a captain, I couldn't ask for more better players and, you know, giving the ball to people that I trust. And I'm just very happy and beyond. Moving from, uh, forward from this tournament, um, what, what will this win? What does this uh, win mean for women's cricket and women's sport in Vanuatu? Hopefully this comes out as a big statement for um, not just women cricket but women in sports in Vanuatu and hopefully the people will take the women's sport seriously and, and invest more into women's sports because you know we are just as good, good as the men and for cricket I'm, I hope this win will motivate more girls to want to play and try cricket, um, try cricket out because like I said cricket is such a good sport and it, it is for everybody, no matter what size or shapes you are, and I think this will motivate them to play more. That's amazing, Selena. Now, in terms of uh, women's cricket and the team, what are your hopes for for, for the future of of the Vanuatu women's team? Um, I think for us now, we're just taking it a step by step. Um, now we're just looking forward to work harder because you know the next stage is going to be harder than this one. Um, but we are looking forward and we are ready to work hard as a team and give all our best to yeah, represent our country and our people. Great. Uh, so, Selena, what's, what's next for the team after winning the qualifier? Um, so, yeah, we need this qualifier. We have uh, the next qualifier, which will be in Bangladesh. Um, that is very exciting and everyone's excited, but we know that we need to put in a lot of work. So, yeah, for us now, enjoy the win for few weeks and then back to reality and work harder to, you know, um, give our best in the next tournament in Bangladesh. That's amazing, Selena. And once again, congratulations on the Vanuatu women's team winning, but also to you and your leadership having led the team for, for a number of years now as a captain. Congratulations. And we look forward to uh, seeing and hearing more from, from the Vanuatu women's team in the future. Thank you so much. There we have it, Selena Solman, captain of the Vanuatu women's cricket team, off to Bangladesh. Uh, wonderful stuff from both Fiji and also Vanuatu. Thank you for now. And Melissa, uh, now the Pacific Games. Oh, countdown is on for the 2023 Pacific Games in the Solomons. Now it's all happening in November, not even three months away. Uh, this year also marks 60 years of the game and to celebrate Pacific Beat is running a Pacific Games storytelling competition. So they're looking for people's Pacific Games stories Stories. You don't have to have competed. Uh, you might just have a great story. You've met your best friend there. You were dancing in the opening ceremony. You met your husband, your wife, or you met, you know, whoever it was. The possibilities are endless. Now, if you've got a story, they want to hear it. The winning storytellers will be mentored by producers on Pacific Beat and the stories will be featured on ABC Radio Australia. Plus, if you're a winner, you'll be paid for your story. So Pacific Islanders, we're the greatest storytellers, okay? I know that there are plenty out there. So if this is you, uh, you want to earn some money for it, you want to share your story, all you have to do is head to abc.net.au forward slash Pacific to find out more. It does close tomorrow. So it's been open for a few weeks. It closes tomorrow. 
make sure you jump online uh, and get your stories to us. For now, I have to ask you, what is your most memorable Pacific Games moment? I would say the, um, the 2011 Pacific Games in New Caledonia where I was honoured to do the to officiate the finals. Oh. And in the final was New Caledonia against Papua New Guinea, uh, who were the defending champs, who were you know, one of the big names in women's football. And just to have that whole packed stadium filled out with the locals, you know, the New Caledonians coming out to cheer on the team. It was a great moment. It was a moment to celebrate women's football back then, uh, that they were supporting women's football uh, and women's sport in general. It was, a, it was a good atmosphere. For me, it was the best memory for the Pacific Games. Ah, oh, that's wonderful. How about you, Melissa? Have you experienced the Pacific Games before yourself? Yes, I have. Uh, my first and only Pacific Games that I've competed in was in 2019. Um, we finished with third, so we got a bronze medal from the Pacific Games. I uh, show it to everyone in the family. <laughs> Um, show it off. You should. <laughs> but, yeah, I think playing that tournament, uh, that that Pacific Games was, was extremely memorable for me. Now, there is plenty happening in sport across the Pacific. Of course, everyone is watching the Rugby World Cup. What's happening there for now? The Rugby World Cup, yes, an amazing international event and so exciting because we have uh, our regional teams participating there in terms of Fiji, Samoa and Tonga. So this is happening every weekend. It started off last weekend, the first round of competition where 16 teams uh, were able to play. In the first round in the region, we have, you know, even uh, New Zealand, one of the favourites uh, in the opening match, losing to France, the host nation and Australia, fighting Georgia 35-15. But coming closer to the Pacific teams, Fiji was the only one out of the three that had uh, a goal last weekend. And there was a close contested match against Wales where they lost 32 26. Uh, unfortunate one for them. Uh, you know, it were, they wasn't able to capitalize in the final minutes of play where there was a knock-on uh, by their wing, uh, Semi Ranranra, and it was so unfortunate. Otherwise, you know, it would have gone that way, but there were moments also in the game that they probably could have capitalized on it, but they, they, they didn't in terms of, you know, the penalties and all of that. But also, like I mentioned earlier in this show, you know, some of the rugby experts around the world are also looking at the, you know, the match officials and the disparity and the inconsistency of referees' decision against some of the Tier 2 nations, which is something, like I mentioned, that mm. Fiji Rugby will be writing to um, World Rugby on, but just hopefully in terms of developing the sports better. But this weekend, obviously, we're having another round where Fiji in the next match against Australia, and it's a must-win for them to progress further in the competition. Australia having that first win, uh, they will look to continue the winning streak, and that is going to be on Monday at 3.45 a.m. Samoa with their first game on Sunday against Chile. And our friends from Tonga, the friendly island, picking on Ireland on Sunday in the second match. So exciting games this weekend. And I'm sure, you know, the Pacific, around the region, we are rugby crazy nations, will definitely be tuned in for that. Oh, absolutely. I have to ask you for now. I was watching highlights in the office, and it's an open plan office. And when Semi fumbled that ball for Fiji, I let out a yell. (laughs) I didn't realise until everyone in the office were looking at me and I had my headphones in. What did you do when that happened? Did you scream? Did you swear? Did you cry? You know, because it was so exciting because, you know, you can see that aerial ball, that kick is coming and you know he, you know what he's capable of because he mm. played NRL, they're good with aerial balls. Like, yes, this is our opportunity. And then, you know, the least thing that you expect happened out of all the players that would, you know, fumble the ball. But, you know, I don't think anyone really, because he's he's played so well during the build-up, 
during the World Cup, he always giving us his hundred percent. That you know, we we were with him in that moment, mm-hmm. uh, that heartbreaking moment where you know he knew that he could have taken the team forward. But that being said, I also feel like the team one of our weaknesses is um, our inability to capitalize on some of the penalties. You know, without kicking at the World Cup stage. You have to have kickers who can kick those ranges from any angle, and as that's something that was our weakness in that match, uh, we had easy penalties in front of the goal mouth. We could not uh, convert that. So, you know, even uh, just prior to that incident, you know, we had we had a one that was a little bit out on the right. We couldn't convert that. So, even if Semi Randrandra scored that, you know, the, the question is, were we able to convert from that far out? So. It's something that they'll have to work on coming into the next match against Australia, which will definitely be a tough one. It's certainly just one of those things in sport. If you fumble the ball in the first five minutes, no one remembers. But if you do it in the last five minutes, that's all anyone remembers. <laughs> uh, well, we've got plenty to go in the Rugby World Cup, so I look forward to hearing more about that next week as well. Now, speaking of NRL, uh, just briefly, we've got week two of the NRL finals. Now, the Sharks lost by one point to the Roosters after a Sam Walker field goal, so that ended their 2023 season. Uh, the Canberra Raiders lost in another tight game to the Knights. 30-28, so their 2023 campaign has also ended. Now, the Broncos, I spoke about the Broncos last week. They have redeemed themselves after their last finals campaign back in 2019 where they were smashed by the Eels, 58-0. I did give it to them. I I was talking about it a lot, but they've redeemed themselves. They easily defeated Melbourne Storm, 26-0. So they have this weekend off. They they will play the winner of the New Zealand Warriors uh, who are taking on the Newcastle Knights in the semifinal on Saturday afternoon. The Penrith Panthers defeated the Warriors last week, 32. They are going for three straight premierships if they win this year. If they do succeed, uh, they'll be the first team since the Eels in the early 80s to win three in a row. So still got a few weeks left to go. They have this weekend off. They'll be playing the winner of Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters uh, who play on Friday night uh, in the semi-final. Now, another thing I wanted to mention about the NRL, I love this. Uh, Grand final entertainment has been announced. And this is always huge in Australia for AFL Grand Final, NRL Grand Final, who is performing at halftime. Super Bowl, you know, in America, (laughs) it's huge. So there will be a performance by... Tina, the Tina Turner musical. So this year marks 30 years since Tina Turner's iconic performance at the 1993 NRL Grand Final. Tina Turner, of course, passed away earlier this year, so this will be a fitting tribute to the music legend. I did mention, you know, halftime entertainment. It's a big thing here. I remember the Super Bowl. We've had some memories, Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson and that wardrobe malfunction. Who could forget that? Beyonce just being an absolute queen anytime she performs anywhere. And then Rihanna appearing with a pregnant belly. What a way to announce your pregnancy at this <laughs> halftime entertainment. Is it just here in Australia or in America or Western countries? What is it like in the Pacific? For now, I'll ask you, are there any halftime entertainments at big sporting events in Fiji? In Fiji, if uh, we have uh, a visiting team and it's a big event, sometimes they would have you know traditional dances and stuff oh. like that. But otherwise, like in the Pacific, during sports, everyone just gets into the mood and you would have local announcers just, you know, building the atmosphere because you have dance off that <laughs> you have people picked from the crowd and they would just come and do it. And, you know, it just becomes a Pacific atmosphere and it's so fun. Everyone gets on the feed and be part of the atmosphere. So you not might be as grand as the NRL or the Super Bowl, but we have it done our Pacific way and it's, it's all part of the fun. 
I love that. That is so true. You know, I work at sporting games here in Australia and we try and get people going for dance cam and it's tough. It's very tough. People aren't great at it here, but I can imagine in the Pacific Islands, everyone would be on their feet. It would be the best dance-off you've ever seen. Who needs halftime entertainment when you've got Pacific Islanders in the crowd? I absolutely love it. That's great. For now, we've got the OFC Under-16 Women's Championships happening as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, that kicks off today, and it is the qualification uh, competition for the Under-17 FIFA Women's World Cup. So the winner from this OFC Under-16 Women's Championship, Tahiti, will head off to that uh, main event next year. There are eight teams participating, and New Zealand, uh, being the defending champs for so many years, uh, will be the team to beat. But that being said, you know, we've seen over the years there has been a reduction in the gap of, uh, you know, the, the score line, And that sh- that's a testament to the development that's happening within member association throughout the region in this sport. And this is also live streamed uh, through um, the social media pages and Pacific broadcasters. They are showcasing this as well. So it's great to see the visibility that it's bringing to the sport and to women's sports in the region. There are a lot of players as well who's come through the uh, development phases within the member association. And they did debut at the under-19 OFC competition that happened earlier this year in Fiji. So some of them are coming to this competition with that experience. I guess from my experience, just watching the growth of women's football, you know, previously a decade ago, you would have men as coaches, as managers. But now when you go to women's football in the region, and this under-16 competition is, is no different. You'll, you'll have women coaches, women managers, uh, and even women commentators. So it, it shows the, the growth and the development that's happening in all facets of women's football and women's sports here in the region, and it's a great thing to see. That's wonderful. And Melissa Vanuatu were also a part of this tournament as well? Yes, uh, Vanuatu, I don't think they've been part of uh, any under-16s, underage tournaments for football for a, for a number of years um, and women's football in Vanuatu has just started to grow again and started to develop and I'm very, very happy to see and very pleased to see that Vanuatu uh, has a team in this tournament. Um, they will be playing in Group C. Uh, they have Tahiti and Fiji, so it will be a great welcome for them back into football. Uh, they play the first game on the 17th against Fiji, so it will be incredible for them. Probably not the most experienced team in the tournament, but it will be a good time for them to explore uh, women's football because these are the girls that will be feeding into the national team uh, in the in the future. So yeah, just very very pleased to see that. And as I mentioned, like our news section, sports section in the Daily Post was just blooming with women's sport, and it was the under sixteen women's, um, it was cricket, it was beach volleyball, it was everything women's women's football over the last week and to see that football is also stepping up in Vanuatu with their women's um, teams as well is, is incredible. Mm, football is huge in the Pacific um, and like I was saying it's so good to see that there are more women coming through not only as players but coaches and administrators and, and all around the sport which is great to see. The Australian Rugby League Commission and Prime Minister Anthony Albanese have announced the Australian men's and women's Prime Minister's 13 teams so they'll both take on uh, PNG on Saturday the 23rd of September that will be happening in Port Moresby. Uh, The women's team have a number of up-and-coming NRLW players uh, alongside some more experienced players, but that'll be a great experience for those those younger players that are coming through the ranks to be able to play internationally uh, and experience what rugby is like in the Pacific. So it's been five years since this was last hosted in Port Moresby back in 2018. 
the newly appointed head coach of the Kamals, uh, Justin Holbrook, will be in the country for the first time in Papua New Guinea, with this match being a really good lead-up to the Pacific Championships, which will be held from the 15th of October to the 5th of November. So thank you for now. And Melissa, love hearing about all the sport that's happening across the Pacific. All right, look, you've been listening to my co-hosts and I for a while. I think it's time to get to know them a bit more. It's time for our next segment. Gyaman Stapwe is talk pissing for Pick the Lie. I love this segment. I can see who are the good liars amongst the co-hosts and boy, do we have some good liars. Now, I'll ask you to tell me three things about yourself. Two of them have to be true. One has to be a lie and the other two co-hosts will guess what the lies are. For now, you're going to start. You have to tell us three things about yourself. They can be a fact or a story, off you go. I love scuba diving. I have an adorable five-year-old boy, and I met my husband through sports. All right, you love scuba diving. Interesting. Uh, you have a five-year-old boy, and you met your husband through sports. Uh, Melissa, what do you think is the lie? That she loves scuba diving. That she loves scuba diving. You know what? I think I know you for now and I know you have – oh, maybe the age is wrong. Maybe she's tricking us. Oh, I know she has oh, a boy. She has done that before. Mm, she's got a boy. Uh, I do believe that you met your husband <laughs> through sports. I'm going to lock in scuba diving as well. We're both saying scuba diving. For now, what is the lie? You both got me. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> Oh, there you go. We got it. That's good. One from one. Yeah. That, that, that's great to hear. Okay, Melissa, your turn. Three things about you, two are true, one is a lie. I'm looking at you because you were sitting in the studio, so maybe I can pick the lie from your face. <laughs> what are your three things? Okay, I have 12 siblings. I have once left Joss Stone. If you don't know who Joss Stone is, she's a English singer. I left her on scene. She messaged me and I left her on scene. Sorry, Joss Stone. Stone. Joss Stone messaged you. Yes, and you didn't reply. I didn't. Okay, oh, I left her unseen. Okay, um, and then uh, the third one, I have fallen on my head twice and broken it. You've broken what? Your head? I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a pro- proper English way to say it. If like your your skull, your head. You, you like you cracked it or something? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that's not funny. I apologise hmm. for laughing. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, all right. So for now, these are Melissa's three, and you tell me what you think is a lie. So she says she's got twelve siblings. The other one is Joss. Stone, who is an amazing soul singer, uh, sent her a message and she left it unseen. Uh, and then the third one is you've fallen on your head twice and you've broken it mm. twice. Uh, for now, what do you think is the lie? Man, they're not easy ones. Mm. But I'll go with uh, the third. Third, fallen on your head twice. Um, I know that Joss Stone did tour around the Pacific because I saw her singing in Kiribati and I could not <laughs> believe my cousins were posting. They're like, oh, yeah, this Imata white woman's here singing. I'm like, it's Joss Stone. Okay, so I believe that that is true. Somehow she had your contact. Um, 12 siblings, Pacific Islanders. I think that's true. I'm going to go with for now and I'm... <laughs> 
fucking in that you've fallen on your head twice. What is the lie, Melissa? I have 12 siblings. So how many siblings do you have? 11. Oh, Oh, goodness me. I like that. Just a little lie, not too big a lie. So, So that was the lie. So Joss Stone, I have to ask. Why didn't you read the message? Well, she came to Vanuatu and helped the women's team fundraise to get us to the Pacific Games, <gasps> and then we won, and I sent her a message on WhatsApp because she gave me a contact, Yeah. and then she replied to me, with and I just got so starstruck again, and I was just like, I don't know what to say, and I just left her unseen. Oh, my God, that's exciting. I'm going to get her number up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right, now it is my turn. Here are my three things. Okay, one, I have skydived in Australia. Two, I have bungee jumped in New Zealand. And three, I have taken a minibus from Nandi to Suva. Now, those three things are terrifying. All of them are terrifying. Uh, For now, what do you think the lie is? Skydiving in Australia, bungee jumping in New Zealand, or taking a minibus from Nandi to Suva? I would say bungee jumping in New Zealand. Bungee jumping in New Zealand, okay. Melissa, what do you think the lie is? I also think bungee jumping in New Zealand. Okay, you both picked bungee jumping and you're mm. correct. <laughs> well done. What, what, why did you? First of all, I have to ask you, um, for now, I, I lived in Fiji for a short amount of time and I took a minibus from Nandi to Suva and that was more terrifying than skydiving out of a plane. Have you been on one of these minibuses? I can't imagine. Oh, terrifying. I tell you. It was, it, they said either get on the bus, the big bus, It'll take four hours or minibus, two hours. I said, ah, minibus? Well, if you make it alive, yes, it's a lot quicker. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, you, you've got it right. We have all did very well in picking our, uh, our lies there. Um, <laughs> that does bring us to the end of this show. A big thank you to my co-host, for now, Bully Bully, former FIFA Women's World Cup referee. For now, thank you. Thank you, Bobby. And former Nii Vanuatu cricketer turned cricket commentator, Melissa Fare. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Thanks for listening to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'll be back again next week with two new co-hosts from across the Pacific talking all things sport in our region. This episode was produced on the lands of the Ghana people and the Gadigal people. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.